I think, Johnny, if I had to sum up this show, I would say it's a show about love. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Love is what it's all about. Hello, and welcome to Johnny and Tiggy Walker Consciously Coupling. Now, in this podcast, we're going to be chatting to other couples and finding out how they met. Who did the wooing, or who wooed who. Whether they faced any struggles together. And the triumphs and the joys that they've had. We'll hear about the songs that they love, that they share, and maybe some that they don't. And it's all with thanks to our partner, the Velvetizer, from Hotel Chocolat. Barista-grade drinking chocolate at home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to get a new episode every Wednesday. Right, let's get started. Let's. Well, today's podcast is a colleague of mine from Radio 2. A long-running broadcaster came down from Scotland to take over Terry Wogan's breakfast show when Terry went to TV. And then when Terry came back to Radio 2, Ken then moved to his mid-morning slot where he is now. Now the biggest listened-to radio show in the UK with eight and a half million listeners. And his wife, Kerith, so we're meeting her really on, on, on this podcast. Well, I have met Kerith with you ages ago when we first met and uh, when you were on daytime on Radio 2. So you remember it and I don't. Well, that, that's par for the course, Johnny, isn't yeah, I it? I guess that's about normal, really. <laughs> it is. But, I mean, I have to say, for me, I think I'm going to be quite quiet today, Johnny, which may be music to your ears. Uh, the thought of listening to you and to Ken, I'm going to be in this lovely sandwich of two gorgeous voices. Well, that's very nice of you to say so. But I'm sure you and Kareth will, will get going together. Well, we hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, you're fired. <laughs> You can't fire me. No, I can't. <laughs> anyway, I am looking forward to it. Ken is just extraordinary how he's been in that slot for so many years. And uh, and as you say, more popular than ever. Let's hear it for the 70-year-old radio broadcasters. Well, Ken and I have something in common in that our present wives are our third wives. Mm, I did I think notice he, that. I think he refers to his wife as third and final. And do you? Yes, darling. Of course. <laughs> would I say anything else? Would you dare? Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would you dare? No, there's nobody else, darling, you know. And Johnny, a rather exciting development today. We're going to be announcing a competition at the end of the podcast, a chance for people to win a Velvetizer. It was an idea from one of our listeners. Ian, thank you for that idea. Your wish is our command, so listen at the end of this uh, podcast to see how you can win a Velvetizer. So, shall we see if they're in the room waiting, Johnny? Yes. I think it's time to bring them in. And it's a very warm welcome to the one and only, Ken Bruce and his wife, Kerith. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Lovely to <laughs> hear you and see you yeah. as we can. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this on Zoom, and also at the time of recording, Ken is preparing to go off to do yet another Eurovision. What what number is this, Ken? Uh, that's a good question. I started in 1988. That was the first one I did, and um, I missed last year, of course, because there wasn't one. So I think that's 32 or 33, it might be. I'm not sure. I've lost count, and I can't remember half of what went on at any of them. So Where are you going to this time? 
it's Rotterdam, except I'm not going, sadly, um, because of uh, COVID. I'm, uh, I've, I've been told to stay back in London. I've got to do it um, sitting in a studio in London rather than going, which is not ideal because the great thing about Eurovision is that it's the atmosphere. You're hearing the atmosphere and you're feeling that in the venue uh, and all around the city. You know, it's a tremendous event. You don't always appreciate that watching it, but it's a tremendous event in the city that's taking place. Uh, and so I'll miss that. But I will be there to do radio commentary on a television event, which is always an interesting thing to try and do. Now, Eurovision is very important to you two in terms of our first question, which is how did you meet? Keris, could I direct that question well, at you? <laughs> yeah, we did in fact meet at uh, Eurovision. I just started working at Radio 2 and um, had been a bit of a fan of Eurovision. And I was actually working on the Jimmy Young show. But um, I come from Birmingham and that year it was taking place in Birmingham and I begged and begged and begged to ask if I could work on it and I did and that's where I met my future husband. <laughs> so <laughs> very unexpectedly actually. It was but, extremely um, unexpectedly yes. because we didn't know of the no. existence of each other even though we were working you know not quite side by side but in mm. the schedule side by side on Radio 2. We'd never met and mm. uh, you hadn't been there as you said. I think I'd only been there a few months until yeah. I think, yes. Yeah. I think I started in the October or something like that. And then um, Eurovision was the May, obviously. And yeah. yeah. And but, we just sort of got on, didn't we? Well, yes. Yeah, it was because, um, you know, when you're doing something like that, um, Keritha, she said, came from Birmingham. So her family were there. So mm. she had volunteered to work because we needed a few extra uh, hands around the place. And uh, I think it was a Friday afternoon. We were just kind of stuck in this porter cabin in which we'd been... Oh, it's back, yeah, backstage, backstage doing the rehearsals. That's right, yeah. porter cabin. And a lot of time to... Yeah, we were just yeah. sitting around and we were left alone. We just started yeah. talking uh, and we found out that we knew an awful lot of people um, in other areas of the BBC, people I'd worked with mm -hmm. years ago. Kenneth had met in Coventry. Yes, Coventry. And also um, I'd been working in the World Service for a long time and um, working in the presentation there with the, the announcers, which, of course, Ken knew. I knew all that. Um, yeah. So we just, yeah, we just got chatting and realised we had an awful lot in common and didn't expect it and no. wasn't even looking to start a relationship at that point. And no. um, there we are. Yeah, absolutely. We were both single and unattached yeah. at the time. And uh, I'd, I'd sort of, I, I was a, a single parent uh, looking after my very young daughter she was I think five at the time mm. um, so I was doing that on a sharing basis five days on five days off uh, and I'd you know been out with you know a couple of girls over the last <laughs> no only a couple uh, <laughs> over the previous years or two and I sort of reached the point of thinking you know I'm 46 or whatever I was and uh, I don't, I'm not looking for another relationship I'm mm. perfectly happy getting on with this life so it was really something Neither of us expected no. to happen, and uh, it just yeah. uh, gently grew from there. And I was much younger and didn't expect to be. <laughs> oh, a mere child. Well, not quite. 30. Yeah. She was 30. I was just 30, <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of very unexpected, but we just really, really got on well and yeah. had an awful lot in common. And I think the good thing was, as Ken said, we had time backstage to kind of just chat, get yeah. to know each other, and yeah, it was lovely, and yeah. just took it from there. No pressure. You know, no. when you're just chatting, it's not like a date when you're sort of trying to impress or mm. you know, find out things about the other person. It was just, you know, just a nice, easy, relaxed chat. You know, one of the things that uh, really st I still remember to this day was it was at the uh, NEC in Birmingham, mm. wasn't it? And, uh, you know, the, oh, the ICC. ICC, sorry. And there was all these, um, all these canals around about that area, and uh, a duck, uh, there was some baby ducklings which had become separated from their mother and somebody in the crew had put them in a little box they'd been trapped backstage yeah they're in a little box backstage and you went over to see them Kenneth loves 
animals of every type. And uh, I, I just remember how, mm. how much you know, how much you enjoyed that, how long you loved seeing them. And I thought, well, this is a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, you go. so a porter cabin is quite a romantic place to meet for the first time. Uh, for the second meeting, where did that happen? Oh, wow, that was interesting because we both kind of went our separate ways and um, back to work. I work, went back on Jimmy Young's show, you went back on doing your show. And then it was about, was it? About a week later, I suddenly yeah. got an email from Ken while I was working, just saying, did I fancy going for a, a team debrief? So I thought that literally meant the team was going for a, for a debrief of Eurovision. So I thought, oh, well, OK, I didn't really think anything of it, didn't in fact reply. And then you resent the email and um, I kind of twigged then that probably there was something more to it than just a team debrief. Yeah, it was my subtle, <laughs> subtle approach, which was yeah. a bit too subtle, I think. Yeah. But I think, I can't remember, we just well, had a nice very, meal, I think. Yeah. Very, very interesting that you wait a week, Ken, to send an email. <laughs> so you don't want to look too keen. And you, Kareth, don't even reply to the email. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think it just got sort of filed under other for a while and then it didn't quite... Yeah. Some old bloke I worked yeah. with, yeah. It was very, yeah, it was what fun. About, what about the first proper date? Was that out going out for a meal somewhere? Yep. Yes, that yep. was... Um, Went for a meal in Ealing. Ealing. Well, I lived in Ealing yep. at the time and uh, Kareth was just... You were in Chiswick, I think. Yeah, yeah, and we had... Oh, the weather was beautiful as well. Mm. It was like really, really hot May, so that was nice. It just, it's just perfect. It's yeah. lovely. And again, we just talked and we found that things flowed really easy. We had, yeah. new, we had interests in common, which I wasn't really expecting and um just talks and talks and talks and that was great so mm. yeah it just it just flew from there and as again as i say wasn't expected it was um just a lovely surprise well that, i think that's the best way because mm. if you put if you load too many expectations into your uh, meetings and your dates then you know maybe things will go wrong or you'll be mm. you'll be too nervous and you won't do things properly but because we were neither of us was you know trying too hard we were just having a nice time and then i think you went on holiday soon after mm. that anyway so we didn't see each other for a couple of weeks yeah. which probably was not a bad thing yeah um because but yeah. we, we had that holiday as well we, were, we both went on separate holidays to america oh that's Later right that, that was very that bizarre yeah. wasn't it uh, we'd already yeah. booked holidays with other people. Exactly you know, the was, same week. I was going with a mate to do the uh, New England, uh, the, uh, the 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 fall, the, the the beauties of the fall mm. in New England, with a day in New York. And, and I was going with a girlfriend to New York as well, and it was exactly the same week. Yeah. Um, again, that was very odd. So we met up most yeah. days and in the evenings, didn't we? Yeah, and, and we had um, a lovely meal in Times yeah, Square. Which uh, was good. So that was nice. Yeah, yeah. that is romantic. Ooh. That's that's great. Well, Kerry, did you yeah. <laughs> two other people there, so, it wasn't so maybe that. not quite. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Kerry, did it bother you at all, or make you think at all about Ken being a presenter? Well, not really, because I I think the thing was I obviously knew who he was, but because we just talked so normally and naturally, it didn't really seem to worry me. Yeah I, don't, I, yeah, I don't think it's never really crossed my mind. And I think because we're not, or Ken didn't seem to be particularly show busy anyway, that that was never a big part of, of our kind of getting together and part of our life. We didn't go off on big parties or anything no. like that. It was all just very, in fact, it was very sort of homely, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and obviously Ken had um, a younger family as well. So that sort of took up kind of quite a lot of, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, our emphasis was on that quite yeah. a lot. And I really enjoyed that side of it as well. So, um, no, not really. I don't think so. How long did it take to get serious and who proposed? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Yeah, well, uh, well we, I suppose it was quite quick. We, we went in 1998 
and we were married in September 2000. So mm. that was, that was like two and a half years between. I think uh, I moved in after about. Yeah. Was it nine months or so? About a year. Nine months or a year. Yeah. We moved because you yeah. you were renting a yeah. a flat, and uh, I thought, well, what's the point? You know, mm. I'm, you know, I've got this house, but I'm living in alone basically. So uh, mm. why don't you? There was no real big proposal. I think we just, I was waiting for it. I was waiting, waiting, waiting for it. It didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the getting down on one knee did not occur, I'm afraid. It was just kind of, well, we might as well, I suppose. Why don't we? (laughs) But you both said you were very settled in your singledom. And the thing is, when you do live on your own, you get very used to being on your own and doing things your way. So when then somebody moves in, that's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Well, not for me. I didn't find it a challenge because um, I was I was quite glad of somebody else around the house, really, because uh, you know it was <laughs> not just somebody else, somebody to do the dishes. Uh, it was uh, more that uh, I don't think I was really built for living alone. So although I was settled in my singledom, I, I wasn't really, you know, that happy. Uh, I, I wasn't looking for a relationship, but I thought. You know, I didn't want to be alone all my life. Uh, and although I quite enjoyed my own company, after a while, you do get a bit tired of it. So uh, Kenneth moved in and made, you know, yeah. you just uh, brought, you know, brought a few things, a few yeah. bits and pieces. Yes, bags of stuff, <laughs> which I think that's probably uh, the only thing that irritates him. So I'm a bit of a clutterer. <laughs> well, I'm not exactly tidy <laughs> so, either. But it's... So suddenly his nice, his nice, neat house became filled with my stuff. But other than that... Yeah. yeah, but it was it was lovely because it, you mm. know it brought the house alive because yeah. I'd just been a bit kind of sitting there watching telly and listening to music and uh, you know after a while that does get a bit dull. So uh, and actually at work we weren't seeing each other, were yeah. we? Because two obviously two different programs, so it wasn't like we were kind of seeing each other all the time. No, we were, um, you know, you were working all day and I was yeah. doing my program, and so uh, yeah, we, we didn't uh, we weren't living in each other's pockets mm. all the time. So yeah, it was it was just nice and easy and. Uh, you know, there's no sweat about it. It was just a, a very easy, flowing way mm. into the relationship. Now, Ken, you already had three children, and Kerry, together you two have had three children. Potent man. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of children. How much did um, becoming parents, you two becoming parents, change your life, Kerith? Well, I always knew I wanted to be a mum, and we did have that discussion, knowing that, you know, Ken Ken had got three children already. So we did have quite a frank discussion about that, saying that we certainly wanted one child. Um, So that that changed for me, that, you know, that was was a big deal for me. That sort of changed our life completely, really. but you talked to fatherhood again because there was quite a big gap, wasn't there, between Kate and yes, uh, Murray. Kate was. Um, oh, she was she about nine, ninety-two, t- so she'd be nine, nine when Murray t- was yeah. born, or nine or ten. So uh, there was that bit of a gap, and I, you know, I thought, you know, with three children before I met uh, Kenneth, I thought that was me finished mm. uh, having children. <laughs> I thought there won't be any more. But, you know, we always said, you know, when we got together, mm. uh, you wanted children. And I said, well, I want to have children with you. So yeah. uh, we, we um, as soon as we got married, really, we thought, right, because I was, you know, in my late 40s by this time, we thought, better <laughs> better get on with it. So uh, we uh, had uh, Murray in 2002. Yeah, three years later. Three years later, Verity. 13. And then three years after that, Charlie yeah. arrived. <laughs> but then that's it. <laughs> Definitely finished now, yeah. Murray has, uh, was diagnosed as being yeah. autistic. 
that's right, a, yeah. that's a huge thing for you both to take on as parents. That was it was, and I think you know that changed us. I think as as people really didn't mm. it? Um, he was diagnosed quite early on. He basically, start off he didn't have any speech. Oh, he still he still is non-speaking. Um, but he, yeah, he was quite a little live wire, wasn't he? Yes, sort of running yeah. around every loads and loads of energy. But he was diagnosed before he was three. Just before his third three, birthday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so actually, they they diagnosed him quite early, which in, in one ways was obviously a very good thing. Well, it was a great. I thought it was a great relief. Actually, yeah. I thought it was you know at least we know now. Um, uh, you know, we know what's mm. what lies ahead, and it was something of a relief to know. Um, you know what we were working with, yeah. uh, and you know Murray has been an absolute delight over those years. Um, it's not. 100% easy, but yeah. it's not, you know, it's not awful at all. It's lovely, you know. We, he's a great guy and uh, very, very bright. So it's been a real joy having him. Mm. And, you know, when you have somebody, I think, in the family who has uh, other needs, uh, it does really, it opens your eyes, makes you more sensitive, makes you more understanding of other people. And I think it's, you know, I, I've often, it sounds a bit cruel, but I think everybody should have somebody with a disability in their family because it's good for you to have that experience and to have that empathy with uh, somebody mm. who doesn't have it as easy as everybody else. So Ken, you recently had a 70th birthday. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't feel like it. <laughs> well enough people congratulated you including Sir Rod Stewart and many others so I think you know. <laughs> so I guess now You'll be coming off daytime and thinking about resting your laurels, and uh, or, or are you going to keep on going and die die on air? Is that the ambition? Do a Tommy Cooper? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to die in harness, I think. Or I'll just keep going because I, I've uh, found uh, over the last year I've been working from home, and it's very different. But I get, I, you know, I still get a huge buzz out of being on the radio. I love it, uh, and so I'm I'm not going to walk away in a hurry. I'm not going to look at the passage of time. I'm not going to look at my date of birth and say it's time I stopped. If I take that decision, it will be because either I can't do it anymore or because I think that the time is right. But you know what? You know, I don't think I'll stop doing it. If I, uh, you know, if I don't do it on Radio 2, I'll do it somewhere else. Uh, and uh, even if it's uh, in my old folks' home reading out the news <laughs> bulletins to the other residents, I'll still be doing that sort of thing because... I just, I just love it in the same way as I'm sure you do, Johnny. You just, you want to do it, and uh, you know, you feel better for doing it every time you get on air. Well, Kerith, what I want to know is what are you doing? Because when we first met years ago, these two were both on daytime radio too. And look at Ken; he just, he just goes on and on. It's amazing. So you're definitely a. Uh, doing something well, right there yeah, i think i think it's the younger younger children keeping him on his toes well, he has to that's the problem we can't stop can we that's no, that's, that's it. it yeah i mean yeah. it is younger children do keep you on your toes yeah. keep you moving keep you busy uh, and there is also the question of feeding them so you know i want, I want <laughs> and clothing and clo feeding and clothing them uh, and so i do, yeah. <laughs> i'm just going to keep doing it for as long as i can really but you know the principal uh, driver is feeding, clothing them and getting them to university, that sort of thing. Just going back in your career a bit, Ken, you were on BBC Scotland and then you got the offer when Terry Wogan got his TV show and decided to give up radio, you came in to take over The Breakfast Show. That is a massive challenge. Were you, were you frightened about that or how did you feel about that? 
I, I was, I think weary is the, the word. I knew that it probably wasn't going to work that well, but I thought if I don't do this, then the call won't come again. Uh, that, that happens in our business, you know. If you don't say yes the first time, then they don't come back. You don't say, oh, well, we'll wait a year and come back. They just, you know, they move on and find somebody else. And I thought, I want to work on Radio 2. That Radio 2 seems a natural home for the style of broadcasting I do. Uh, so I thought, if I take this job, um, I might last a couple of years uh, and it'll be a good jumping off point onto something else. Uh, I, you know, I might stay on the station. What I really wanted was, when Terry left, I wanted somebody else on the schedule to get that slot and for me to slip in behind and take over the, the vacated slot, whoever it was. Um, but as it turned out, they wanted to go for the bold decision and bring in somebody. Who, I was pretty much completely unknown in national radio terms. So uh, it was a, a gamble and it was, I suppose, something of a stunt for the BBC, but uh, I thought if I don't take this, I won't get an opportunity like this again. If it works, it, it'll be great. If it doesn't work, then I'll salvage something from it. Uh, and so I took it. I didn't enjoy the experience. I, I never felt like a breakfast broadcaster. I'm not that kind of, you know, high energy broadcaster. I, um, I felt more, I was a morning broadcaster. Uh, and luckily after uh, 18 months or something it was, they uh, moved me from what was an eight o'clock start for that show. So it wasn't really a breakfast show, uh, 8 a.m. start. You know, it was already pr pretty much a mid-morning show. Um, so they moved me to 9.30 the following year. And then I, that was the time when I thought, all right, I can make something of this. I can stay here for a, for a while. And uh, this feels comfortable. And luckily, for most of the intervening years, uh, it has felt comfortable for either the BBC or the audience or both. Uh, apart from a couple of years when I was off other ends of the schedule, it's been 9.30 for me. And, you know, I feel right there and it seems to, to work. So uh, fingers crossed it'll work for a bit longer. <laughs> and Kerith, at 10.30 each morning, do you stop what you're doing? <laughs> Of course she does. Everybody stops. <laughs> I'd like to say yes, but um, I work in a school, so it's a little bit tricky. <laughs> but, I mean, but I would if I could, I'm sure. I would if I could. <laughs> I think it should be part of the uh, curriculum Curriculum for the primary schools. You know, yeah, yeah. Stop them at 10.30. Great for their maths. Yeah, maths, fair. music covers everything, doesn't it? <laughs> so what are you doing at the school, Kareth? Uh, I became a teaching assistant about six years ago um, to work with children with special needs uh, it's in a mainstream school but um murray has kind of at that point has sort of kind of settled um in a secondary school of his own and the other two had were pretty much settled so yeah i kind of thought it was time to go back to work again but the um perhaps the jump of going back into the bbc it wasn't quite right and the, the distance and the travel mm. um didn't work so yeah so but i mean i really enjoy what i'm doing and i get an awful lot out of it and obviously murray teaches me an awful lot um just living with him you know yeah. so i'm hoping that some of i've learned some of the things i've learned from him i can put into what i do with the children and so, you did a, a, a university course oh yeah on, so i did yeah. yeah so i did a university course before all of that um so yeah have that behind me so yeah that's kind of really changed 
Something I notice, Ken, about you is I feel you're quite uh, discreet and private about your family life. I mean, I never tire of people saying to me, oh, Johnny talks about you on air all the time. I go, does he? Um, but, you, but, but you, you're, you, you, you're very professional in that you, you, know, you don't really bring the family into your show very much. Is that a conscious decision to protect your privacy? I, well, partly, I suppose. I think it is just the way I am. I've always thought, you know, just I'm there to entertain people. And if things happen around the house, I'll mention them. But I don't like too often to drop names in uh, and say, you know, my wife, Kereth, or my children, my boy, Charlie. Because I often remember hearing uh, dear old Derek Jameson when he was doing... Uh, the Breakfast Show on Radio 2, he, um, he still spoke like a, a newspaper man. Uh, and he remembers, uh, I can't remember his son's name, it doesn't really matter, but he said, uh, my boy Ben, nine, said today, <laughs> and I thought, actually, it was just, he's dictating a story for the newspaper. Uh, but, so that's, that's not something I've ever felt I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, if something happens, I will use it. But I don't, uh, I, think, I kind of think people, you know, don't care that much. They'll want to hear a little bit about my life, but they don't care that much about it. So uh, I'll rather talk about something happening in their lives rather than mine. Now, supposing Radio 2 says, now we want to be a little less London-centric. So, Ken, you can keep doing the show you're doing now, but we'd like you to do it from Scotland. You can move up there and do the show. Would you be tempted? I I possibly would be tempted. I mean, obviously we've got uh, practical matters like children at school here um but you know you and i both mm. have uh, thought about it a yeah, while back we didn't we? quite a few it. years ago yeah. and you your family your mum and dad mm. lived in uh, the north of scotland for a while mm. uh, so uh, there's a strong kind of affinity uh, with uh, north scotland we've got lots of family up there at least lots of cousin, yeah, yeah. cousins yeah cousins and uh, aunties so, and uncles yeah, it's mm. not beyond the bounds of possibility um you know the, uh, the thing is i quite like the weather in the south of england so that makes it a bit easier <laughs> <laughs> a bit more pleasant. But the sun, I mean, the sun is shining as we speak just now. And, uh, you know, that's not always the case in the west of Scotland, certainly. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would certainly be interested in uh, living again in Scotland. I'm not quite sure where, but yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, it wouldn't be a problem at all. Well, if you do go, don't forget to take your velvetizer with you. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes, we've, we've tried that out. <laughs> we've road tested yes. that. Very nice, yeah. very nice. Really good. Yes. Good. We've had one just before doing this, actually. Just gives a little a little boost. Um, Ken, one of your, your interests um, is buses. Yes. yes. Um, Where are they parked? Uh, well, I, I, we used to have a number of uh, buses. We, we only have one left now because uh, the business wasn't doing terribly well. <laughs> uh, we started off with one and uh, then we thought, well, we might, we'd spent quite a lot of money on it. My friends uh, Alan Dedicote, the Deadly of this parish, and uh, Charles Nove and Steve Madden, also former Radio 2 people, uh, we bought a bus uh, just for the hell of it because there were a lot available. And we spent quite a lot of money making it run and making it look all right. So we thought we might as well try and get some money back on this. So we started trying to hire it out. We, got, we all got licenses to drive it. We uh, got all the things you need to hire a bus out uh, and then because that was going all right we were getting more orders than we could fulfill we thought well let's get another bus and see uh, you know and eventually we ended up with seven of them uh, and that was probably too many so we uh, tried to get rid of a couple and then the business started 
tipping away a little bit. A lot of people were doing the same thing. Uh, and then when COVID arrived, that was uh, well, we had already decided to close the business at that point. Uh, and uh, we've sold off the buses. Mostly we've sold them off. Still, so would you like to buy one, by the way? <laughs> very, a very useful thing to have. Well, I, I always wanted to be a lorry driver, not a bus driver. Well, but, so there you are. Perfect for holiday. But supposing somebody is getting married and they decide they want a bus as part of the wedding, and then they clock that Ken Bruce is actually driving the thing. And they say, good. Have you seen who's driving the bus? That's Ken Bruce. Didn't he used to be famous? He's fallen on hard times, hasn't he? Always there. You see the number of children I've got? No wonder I'm driving a bus. But are you not also a drummer, Ken? Yes, yes, of sorts. Um, I do play the drums, yes. So you could do a complete wedding service, couldn't you? We'll take you there. Who wants a drummer at their wedding? Who wants a drummer at their wedding? Covers bands. No, they want a proper musician. (laughs) (laughs) You were in a band, weren't you? Yeah, well, there is a band in our village here, um, which is called No Direction. And uh, we are uh, a a covers band, as you say. We do uh, an interesting selection of covers. We have an interesting selection of talents. Uh, I won't say we're entirely um, on top of our instruments, but we are close to them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not a bad sound. We have enthusiasm. That's the main thing. We are a very enthusiastic band. Kerith has seen us perform. Yeah, after a few drinks, it doesn't sound too bad. Yes, yeah. and that's on <laughs> that's both. That's the secret to that's it. That's on both sides, the yes. band and the audience. Yeah. So are you hoping to do some live shows now things are opening up a bit, Ken? Well, I would love to uh, do some shows, do some Popmaster shows. We want to do some of those out on the road if we can. And uh, it would be it's just great to get back out again because much as we've you know coped quite well with lockdown mm. it's been really quite starting nice... to get a bit stir crazy yeah, just, now though you know, we've you know. had enough now really we'd mm. like to get back out again but uh, you know we, we didn't do too badly in lockdown no. we had quite a nice time here yeah. yeah now everybody loves a competition and we're going to do one at the end of this podcast <laughs> but for a while radio 2 banned all competitions and then the only person who was allowed to do one was ken bruce that's very unfair to the other DJs, if you don't mind me saying. It was a high-quality quiz, except we weren't allowed to do the um, the original quiz. We were not allowed to do Popmaster with phone calls from members of the public because uh, the original reason all these competitions were taken off was because there had been some dodgy phone calls, people pretending to be members of the public when they weren't, or something like that. I can't exactly remember. Oh, winning the prizes. Yeah, I think so. So um, there was a blanket, you know, the way the BBC does these things, a blanket decision to take all phone calls off the air, which meant that Popmaster had to come off. And uh, after two days, I was saying, this is ridiculous. Can we please get it back on? Can we do it in a different way with celebrities or, you know, somebody like that? And they eventually said yes. So we got Popmaster back on with celebrities, but no phone calls. They had to come into the studio and do it. And, uh, you know, the, our definition of celebrity was quite elastic sometimes. Uh, that <laughs> went just, on for months. It went on for about it. eight or nine months. And mm. It was really, you know, it could have been sorted out a lot quicker. But we, we, we kept it going. And I'm quite pleased about that. It is incredibly hard, Ken. I mean, I think my average score is about six. And you, you seem to know 
all the answers. I mean, your knowledge is really unbelievable. Well, they're, they're written down in front of no, it, for goodness sake. No, 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 they, but no, but he, you know other answers around it because sometimes people will give an answer and Ken will go, no, that's interesting. No, they did this or that. You are knowledgeable. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm probably a lot less knowledgeable than you think because when that happens, if somebody gives a wrong answer and I know that the answer they've given is wrong and who actually did record that or whatever, I then say, no, I think you'll find that was uh, the Osmonds. But if I don't know, I don't say anything. So I only (laughs) say it if I actually know what I'm talking about. That makes me sound as if I'm choosing not to give the correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or to say, oh, I know where that comes from. I'm only doing it if I actually know already. And it doesn't happen very often, I'll tell you. But when it does, thank you. I was I was hoping to impress you. But what about, I just, sorry, Johnny, to ask another question so quickly <laughs> on Popmaster. But what about the cheats? Because sometimes you can hear that people are, are going on to Shazam or quickly looking on the phone and I can hear it in your voice that you know that that they are cheating and you are firm but polite yeah I, thank you for that that's uh, it is sometimes really quite obvious when people are uh, Which using was the um, green oh, oh yeah somebody um, was Jean. It, uh, yeah 24 hours from Tulsa who recorded that or something question like that yeah. and uh, there was a long silence and then this bloke said is it green pitney and I <laughs> God, you know, we think he had somebody you know, standing next to him. You can't you? even cheat properly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I do notice when they are cheating. But, of course, I can't prove anything because I'm not there watching them. So I, the I listeners just, pick the up. The listeners right, always then. know. Yeah. And uh, I tend to look at it in the old way. You know, you've let yourself down. <laughs> you've let the school down. But worst of all, you've let Ken down. <laughs> That's the worst thing. Of all, yeah. It'd be awful to accuse somebody of cheating when they weren't. But oh, well. what were you doing broadcasting to the entire fishing fleet? Oh, yes, yeah, that was... Um, I, I can't remember what, what quite happened there, but I was doing... A, a, I was just doing the programme as normal, and then suddenly we got a message in to say some fishing boat was rebroadcasting our programme on their radio, their you know, shortwave or whatever it is, radio, between the fishing fleet uh, and, and, in fact, all the ships off the coast, so the, all ships off the coast of the northwest of Scotland were hearing, instead of hearing, I am the Sula Vig travelling from Portree to Oban, uh, they were hearing things like, uh, you know, here we are with three and ten, you know, and, and, and me talking rubbish on the radio. So it, it wasn't going down that well. So uh, we had to put another broadcast out to say, if you are listening to Radio 2 on a vessel somewhere in the Minch, or the sound of slate, would you please switch it off and therefore save lives? I'm pleased to say we did eventually get that sorted. Now, Kerith, <laughs> last year it was a, quite a moment with um, the Rajar figures or whatever figures they were when we found out that Ken was the most listened to presenter oh, in know. Europe. How proud were you as his wife? I was hugely proud, hugely proud. But Ken takes it all in his stride, you know, so it's kind of there was no real big celebrations and. Um, but yeah, I, I think the children were a bit like, sort of told them, you know, gosh, your dad's got, you know, got this sort of accolade. And it was like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. They're not, they're not interested by it. But, you know, I was massively proud of him. And I don't think he always realises it, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, very, very proud. But, well, it was, it's one of those things, you know, audience figures can go up and they can go mm. down. And so you can't celebrate too much when things are good. But it is, it's a lovely, a lovely thing because, you know, for a long time, um, I was not terribly much noticed 
in the great scheme of things uh, at uh, the BBC and Radio 2. A lot of other big names who were, you know, a bit more um, tent, a bit more showbiz, mm. a bit more, you know, marquee names. Uh, and uh, so I just thought, I'll just get on with what I do. And it's very nice eventually after all these years to... Uh, uh, finally get a little And I think that's the thing notice. with you, you're not very showbiz and you that's you've always just wanted to do radio. You've not really no. that's your thing, isn't it? So it's for you, that's your main interest and in your your life, I think, really. Yeah. Well as I said, mm. you know, I would do it even if I wasn't on radio too, I would still be broadcasting somewhere on the little local radio station in the next village here for uh, you know, the, the South Buckinghamshire or Oxfordshire. I would I would still want to do something. So uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. And anything nice that comes along on top of that is icing on the cake, really. Kerith, in terms of public life, I mean, Ken is, you know, to all our ears, a very public figure. Do you get drawn out into public things with Ken? No, not at all. Well, we, we just, I think we sort of partly we chose not to, but also partly um, it's just family life, you know, and, and obviously Murray needs a lot of care. We sort of, he's our, his carers. Now he's 19, he's needing a lot more support. So we don't always have the time or no. the, you know, we, we, we pick and we sort of have to choose our moments, don't we? But mm. actually, we, we've not really been to many things. No, have we? no, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, mean, I think as I've gone to most of the mm. things in the, the showbiz world, you know, the Brit Awards and things like that. I've been to those once or twice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel I've done that. And so, uh, I only want to go to things that I really, really enjoy. And we do like going to the theatre. We love going mm. to the theatre. So, um, and actually, the good thing about Ken is that he doesn't actually get recognised, you know, which no. is good. So if we do just go to the local theatre occasionally, Murray loves going to the theatre, so we take him or we go to a concert. Nobody actually knows who Ken is, so that's really yeah. nice as well. It's actually, sometimes I recognise your voice, don't yeah, you, if you sort of yeah. order a drink at the bar, but other than that... Not pay for it, anyway. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, you know, I, I get enough recognition to actually make you feel quite happy. Enough mm. people sort of say, oh, it's Mr Bruce, isn't it? You know, that, that's enough for me, just a couple of people. I don't want to be mobbed or, you know, stopped in the street, and it's not very likely to happen now. But <laughs> it was never anything that I wanted. I, I just wanted to do... A good job on the radio. Um, Kerry, do you miss the world of radio? I know you're now doing teaching assistant, which is a fantastically valuable job. But do you ever miss the world of Radio 2? And Yeah, I do. I mean, I absolutely loved Radio 2 and it was my huge ambition to work there. I was working with um, BBC Religion when I went put in for the job. I was up, living up in Manchester and it came to a point where I sort of hit 30 and decided that I needed to either settle in Manchester or one last chance of going for a job and trying to get into radio too so I absolutely loved it so I fulfilled my ambition but obviously you know it, it again it was meeting Ken was obviously the highlight of my my life um, <laughs> and I never expected that but um, yeah it, I, I do miss it but we had to make the, the decision as to moving out somewhere again it was all surrounding Murray's needs so yeah. we we moved out here um where there was some good access to good schools for him. And it just wasn't, I just wasn't able to keep going in, in and out of London and looking after the children. But the good thing was Ken was coming home and I used to always hear snippets and, yeah. you know, I felt like I was living it a little bit through him and hearing all the sort of, the juicy bits. Bringing all the, the gossip, <laughs> gossip back, home. Yeah. So I kind of, I was lucky in a way because I even now still have that, that sort of link. But yeah, I do miss it. I miss the buzz and... I just miss it. I, I sort of always wanted to do radio as well. So I started out just um, working in local radio and um, 
just working you know as ken said making the coffee doing anything i could sorting the records out back you know back in those days and stuff like that and um yeah you, i plugged away so it was really something i wanted to do so it was a huge decision to leave um radio 2 but the right one for us as a family at the time yeah. um but yeah i think you know i'm too old to be going back into it now but so i leave <laughs> oh, it to hardly. him but, <laughs> so, you know, it was, i think things have changed yeah, so much though uh, well I mean, yeah you know. it's always difficult to go back yeah. in i think but uh, i mean at the time which was 15 years ago mm. i thought that my time my days would be fairly much numbered on uh, you know radio 2 uh, because i was you know getting getting older i was in my 50s, late 50s by that time. Sorry, 55. Mm. So I uh, thought, well, you know, it, I'll, I'll move out to the, the country. I'll live in Oxfordshire. And then, you know, maybe a year or two down the line, uh, they'll, they'll get rid of me. Because, you know, they have done that sort of thing in the past. And, uh, you know, I've dodged a few bullets. I'm well aware of that. I've uh, been very, very lucky to keep going because, uh, you know, I've just managed to... Uh, dodge aside when uh, they, they were firing but uh, it's you know I'm delighted still to be there um, but most of the last 15 years I felt have been bonuses I've been uh, lucky to mm. keep on working there so uh, we were almost I was almost kind of uh, looking to a, an early semi-retirement uh, when we moved out here but mm. that hasn't proved to be the case and it's a bit of a commute a bit of a schlep in and out every day but it's but doable isn't it's, it, it is well doable so uh, I you know I'm very glad to be still doing it but delighted to be living here so it's a lovely a lovely part of the world now you've done really well over lockdown I mean you're the only daytime live show it's incredible how you do it especially when you put in you know Popmaster and everything else are you happy to go on working from home or were you gagging to get back to the studio and all the gossip yeah. <laughs> well it, it, it's somewhere between the two really uh, i've been very happy working from home it's been uh, it's been lovely really because uh, when we first started back in march of last year the, the weather suddenly turned mm. beautiful so i was uh, you know sitting here at 12 o'clock you know finishing the program and i was out in the garden lying in the hammock at uh, quarter past 12. Uh, so that was really very nice and the kids were around and so we, we all had really quite a nice time. Yeah. Um, you know, difficult though it was, it was it was actually really quite pleasant for us because we, you know, we're quite a close family. Yeah. We all get on quite well. You know, we have our Thankfully. moments like everybody, but um, we, yeah. we turn, it turns out we, we do get on very well because we've managed the last year uh, all together so uh, I, I, I I've enjoyed working from home but I do I do miss the, yeah, the been, social contact yeah, yeah. and I am I'm going back uh, going back in on the 1st of June I shall be uh, restarting in Wogan House now let's talk about some specific songs Ken if you wanted to if you if you had to pick a song that you would dedicate to Kareth uh, what would it be well um, I thought about this and uh, I, I think the most suitable one is a Van Morrison song Have I Told You Lately That I Love You because I'm pretty much the world's worst at actually <laughs> saying things like that uh, and I'm terrible at remembering birthdays anniversaries I'm hopeless at buying presents I never know what to buy I always buy something that's really well, enough yeah, you, you ask <laughs> or, our daughter or I get <laughs> Verity our daughter to choose for me um, so I, th this would be my way of saying oh, I'm sorry I'm so terrible but uh, I know I haven't told you but Van Morrison will Aww. tell you 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice choice, Kerith, don't you it think? Is, yes, absolutely. That surprised me, to be honest. <laughs> and what about your song to Ken, Kerith? Well, um, yeah, Someone to Watch Over Me, and I'm a big Gershwin fan, but I've always, always, always loved this song anyway. But um, it just kind of seemed to make sense that um, Ken probably was the person that I've been looking for all my life. And... Um, <laughs> So the words are just very apt. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of it's a song that I have never associated with with anybody, any relationship. I've always just purely loved that song. And when I listened to the words, and then sort of Ken came along very unexpectedly, in you know, and actually the words are so true. So yeah, what, what's that there? The middle eight is although you may not, may not be the man <laughs> some folks think, think of, of as handsome, handsome. There you go. <laughs> to my heart, you carry the key. Yeah. Oh, that that will do. Yeah. The <laughs> And is there any music Ken likes that you can't stand, Kenneth? I don't know, really. It's, mm, we've got very similar yeah, tastes, Yeah, we have I got think. similar. We, yeah. were, we were thinking about this, and it's actually yeah. really hard to to kind of... You've kind of probably educated me quite a lot on music because I, for example, was never... The Beatles weren't really in my kind of no, zone. Young I was yeah. maybe a little bit young for them, but actually you've got, you know, your, your sort of knowledge of the Beatles, and actually our youngest is now quite massive fan, yeah, of the Charlie's Beatles. Big fan of the Beatles so I've started to listen to say them a little bit more now yeah. and, uh, and Motown you know I do like Motown but you sort of you come out with some facts about yeah. certain songs sometimes and you know that's probably um, yeah. inspired me a little bit but, but I don't we, yeah, we, yeah, do, we do like we like the same sort of things and yeah. uh, musicals I you know I, I, mm. I sort of liked musicals beforehand but Kenneth loves musicals yeah, I've, I've, I've learned musicals. a lot about yeah. some of the uh, more obscure musicals mm. uh, So, but I, I've always been quite open minded and I think you have too about yeah. music um, there's no such thing as bad music. There's just uh, music you haven't heard yet, I think. You know, and uh, you know, I, joining Radio Two when I was in my thirties, we were still playing quite a lot of uh, really quite old music. But mm. I find it fascinating to hear these uh, dance bands and big bands of the thirties and forties. And you know, I was I was thinking, oh, tell me more. I want to know about mm. this and the jazz years, you know, and ragtime and stuff like that, long before my lifetime. But I thought. I want to know about this, you know, because it's great music. And I do think that, you know, there's mm. there's so much music that isn't heard anywhere nowadays that would be, you know, lovely. And it's great to get yeah. into, if you go into, you know, one of the uh, apps, the streaming apps or uh, the video apps, you go in there and you can go down real rabbit holes uh, of music. You know, you find something that leads you on to something else. Uh, that sort of thing, I think, is absolutely fascinating and great fun. And Ken and Kerith, if you had to choose one song that is your song, what is it? Well, <laughs> we think. We think it's got to be, hasn't it? It's yeah. got to be um, <laughs> Katrina and the Waves. Um, Love, Shine, Love a Shine a Light. Because if it wasn't for that song, we'd never have met. Yep. So that was the song that won Eurovision, which in 97. In 97 and 98 it was in. It, she was back performing, was it, performing it in it, the yeah. Eurovision contest. In and Birmingham. that was where we met at Birmingham. Yeah. In 1998 Eurovision. So yes, that that's, that's the that's song that brings awesome. us together. <laughs> That's a very good choice. Well, Ken may not be romantic, but I think it's a lovely gesture that every year on the anniversary, he hires a porter cabin <laughs> and puts it in the back garden <laughs> so they can sort of recreate their, their meeting. That's, That's very nice. sweet. <laughs> the thing is, every year on our anniversary, I go away, I go abroad to Europe for <laughs> yeah. another year. I'm left at home. <laughs> <laughs> Almost guaranteed. Absolutely. Well, listen, Ken, have a wonderful Eurovision. Thank Sorry you, you won't get all the atmosphere that you normally get, but you'll do a great job as always. 
and uh, Kerit, you keep the home fires burning. I will and do. I thank will you do. both. Thank you both so much for being with us on our podcast. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you ever so much. Great fun. Thank you so much. It's lovely to speak to you again because we haven't seen each other in so long. So I uh, hope we yeah, see you again great. soon. Yeah. Definitely. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. So there we go. That's Ken and Kerith. Well, weren't they lovely? Do you know what struck me about Ken? I mean, obviously, you know, we we know Ken, but not not ma- massively well. But he has such humility. For the man who has the biggest radio show in the whole of Europe, he just takes it in his stride, doesn't he? He's got a really great attitude. He's a bit like me. We never really liked the big showbiz ego-tripping side of, you know, being a a DJ. Ken definitely is one of those people who just likes to do his radio show, you know, and that's it sort of thing, and not get too fussed into the world of showbiz. And I love the fact he said if he wasn't on Radio 2, he'd be doing a local radio station (laughs) down the road. Like you, he just loves that connection with the the listener and the music. And Kerith is just... She also was just so relaxed. She's accepted her life. You know, I imagine Murray has been quite a challenge for them, having, you know, an autistic child. But, you know, from it, she's gone into being a teaching assistant. She sees that as her path. I thought they were both just lovely people. I mean, Kenna said about Murray, his son, that, um, you know, he's just different. Well, I will say this, Ken and Kerith are very positive about it. And Ken, I thought it was beautiful that he said, I actually really think that everybody should have somebody with special needs in their family because it makes you, it gives you more humanity. And I really got that from both of them. I thought they were absolutely lovely, non-egotistical, decent people who um, get on with life. And a big decision that Kerith had to make, much as she loved radio and being in radio, she had to give it up. To, to give Murray the care that he needed. And, and it's paid off now because she's helping lots of other children. That's brilliant. So really lovely to see them. Now, Johnny, what yes. about the competition? Well, the thing is this. We spoke to Leo Sayer and Donatella, and the Velvetiva gift pack has what could be called foodstuffs in the chocolate and things like that, which you can't import into Australia. So the Velvetiva that would have gone out to Leo Sayer is now up for grabs. And we've got a competition, and what you have to do is to send a tweet to either myself, Pirate JW, or to at Tiggy Walker, and tell us who was our guest on the ninth episode of this podcast. And you must also include in your tweet hashtag Velvetizer uh, to qualify to enter the competition. And then we're going to put them all into a hat and pick out the winner, which will be announced in our final podcast, which is with the man that helped make this podcast happen. And that is Angus Thurwell, the CEO and co-founder of Hotel Chocolat. We will be speaking to Angus and his wife Libby on the final edition of the podcast. Which, if you are listening to this on the day it went out, will be in two weeks' time. So get those, those tweets going. And good luck to the person who gets pulled out of the hat. You will not be sorry. <laughs> no, Velvetizer is a wonderful thing. Barista grade drinking chocolate at home. And again, send a tweet to at PirateJW or at Tiggy Walker. Tell us who was the ninth couple on Consciously Coupling. And don't forget to put in your tweet 
hashtag Velvetizer. And as Johnny's let the uh, cat out of the bag, next week's guest will be Leo Sayer. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you had. We did him a little bit early. Anyway, well, that's it for today then, Johnny. Uh, That's it for today and that's it for this week. We will see you next week with Leo Sayer and his Donatella. His Donatella, who sounds amazing. We'll find out in the next episode of Tiggy and Johnny Walker Consciously Coupling. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you to our producer, John Daly of Ojo Productions and also Owen, who does a wonderful job editing the podcast. Take good care. See you next time. Bye-bye.